Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, September 20th. Earlier this week, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky addressed world leaders at the United Nations ahead of his upcoming visit to Canada. We get the latest on the war between Russia and Ukraine with Andrew Rasoulis, fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute and an expert in Eastern European affairs. The Alberta government set to redraft their social studies curriculum and is looking for public feedback. We hear details on what the redraft will look like with Alberta Teachers Association President Jason Schilling. And finally, September is United Way Month, a chance to recognize the work our social agencies do to create a city where everyone thrives. We hear details on what's planned for the month with Karen Young, president of the United Way, Calgary. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is planning to visit Canada this week following his speech to world leaders at the United Nations yesterday. Joining us to talk about the Canadian visit and the latest on the war in Ukraine is Andrew Rasoulis, fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute and an expert in Eastern European Affairs. Welcome back to the show, Andrew. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Sue and Andy. Tell us a little bit about uh, Zelensky's chat yesterday and his speech in front of the United Nations. Uh, what was the address about? The main point, and this, this seems to be the theme of his visit, and he'll readdress it again today at the Security Council meeting, is the 10-point peace plan. That's Ukraine's 10-point peace plan. He is really uh, making the effort to sell that plan to the international community uh, and uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's been around for several months now. It's a tall order, uh, but he's making a real strong pitch for it. He made his pitch, and we uh, obviously know uh, where he is interested in, in things moving. But how was it received by UN members, and what sort of an impact do you think it'll have? Well, I mean, it, I mean, certainly at the United Nations, it's, there's there's a polite. Uh, no, no one's obstreperous on that. It's a, there's a polite reception now. T- Today, it'll be more um, to the point, if you will, and more interesting to observe because it's going to be at the Security Council meeting itself. So Zelensky will be sitting around a table where the Russian Foreign Minister Lavrov will be at the same table. They'll be eye to eye. So that will be particularly interesting and see what comments and response Lavrov gives. Also, the Chinese will be there. Blinken will be there for the United States. So actually, the key players are around the table. This is something that people sometimes don't understand, the utility of the United Nations. They may not make decisions, but they bring people together. And this is some people have argued that that's actually the best argument for the United Nations. It's a place for people to meet. And you can't force them to agree to things, but you can actually bring them together to start the process. So it's going to be a very interesting meeting, and we'll see We'll see the reactions. We'll see what happens today. Yeah, I mean, because you'll never get Russia's president there, but if you have a minister there to take the information, to take the proposal, and then perhaps, hopefully, move it forward, that's the gist of it. Has there been any response from Russia at this point? Uh, the Russians simply say they'll be listening. Uh, so they, they will listen, and we don't know how they will respond. But, but, I mean, off the top, you know that uh, the Russians cannot accept the Ukrainian 10-point plan as it is because the, the Ukrainian 10-point plan essentially, without getting into specific details, requires a Russian capitulation. Uh, there's, no, there's no negotiating room in the Ukrainian 10-point plan. It's sort of absolute it means a return of all Ukrainian territories to the 91 borders, a removal of Putin from the government and facing a war crimes trial. I mean that's just off the top. So, so you can see there's there's zero room for negotiations there. And I actually was was at a reception yesterday with with the Ukrainian ambassador into Canada, and I asked her about any room for wiggle room, the Chinese 12 point plan, for example. And the answer is absolutely not. 
uh, the Ukrainians are are not negotiating. So basically, so that's the beginning. I mean, that's the prize. You expect them to say that, but that's their position. Mm. What about the appetite to support Ukraine? What is that like? What's what's the temperature in the room like when you talk about the U.S. and uh, their efforts to, to continue to, to support Ukraine? Yeah, and Biden's comments yesterday, in fact, uh, are directed in, in part to the international community, but also in part to the United States Congress, um, because there is some heavy-duty uh, debate going on within the United States Congress, particularly in the House of Representatives, uh, over future assistance to Ukraine. And there's money bills going through right now which are stalled. Part of that is an assistance package for Ukraine. And there is an isolationist wing of the Republican Party that is refusing to approve it. And so there's a, there's a real stalemate going on, and House Leader McCarthy is trying to, to work something uh, and we'll see because if he can avoid another shutdown of the U.S. government, because that's part of the package that's out there. Um, so it, it, the, the, the polls in the United States show that it's, it's really on the edge. Uh, CNN poll suggested there was a slight majority of Americans that were opposed to continual aid. But, but another CB, CBS poll, I think it was, suggested, well, it depends how you ask the question. It could go the other way. So basically, you can say there's a real tough fight in the United States about continued support. It's not a given, but it's not hopeless either. From the U.S. to Canada, the Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky will be in Canada later this week. Do we know sort of what the plan is, what, who, where he'll be visiting, and, and what they're actually going to talk about? Yeah, so I can tell you where he's going. He's, uh, he'll be uh, appearing uh, before Parliament on Friday, sort of midday-ish. Uh, and then he's going to Toronto, uh, which, of course, will be the meeting with the Ukrainian diaspora and, and, and that sort of thing. Now, the substance, again, I was at this event yesterday with the Ukrainian ambassador, and I asked her if she could give me a hint as to what they were going to talk about. She said, give me a very firm no comment. So I can only speculate for you what, uh, what they will talk about. And, I mean, it would logically be, uh, again, Zelensky would thank Canada for its support, both military, economic, um, and financial, and so on. Uh, and no doubt he will ask for more of that, uh, you know, and what because the war is going to go on to 2024 for sure, and and the, 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 the Ukrainians will continue to, to require assistance. So that definitely will be the substance. He may reaffirm the 10-point plan uh, here in Canada as well. Uh, but that is basically the Ukrainians are gearing up for 2024, mm. uh, continual war. And they're, they're shoring up their support base. That's really what this is about. Gearing up for something that I think many thought would be days, if not weeks, now mm-hmm. into the 19th month. Uh, can you give us an idea of whether or not the Ukraine has gained any ground in their fight against Russia, their counteroffensive, so to speak? Yeah, they, they, they have gained what, they've gained what we would call in military terms tactical uh, as opposed to strategic. So, so uh, to give you the big picture, they need to go 60 kilometers uh, to get to the Sea of Azov, which is their strategic objective in this offensive. Uh, they have managed to make maybe five kilometers. Cause that, that's the, the degree. Because so, it's very heavy fighting, extremely heavy fighting. So they will not get to the Sea of Azov. If they ever get there, it certainly won't be this year for sure. Um, and and that, that, in strategic terms, is you can still call it a stalemate with limited tactical movement by the Ukrainians. On the other hand, however, the Russians have managed a similar uh, tactical prodding uh, in the northern part of the front toward the city of Kharkiv, and they have made small incremental gains. This is, in a way, to balance off the Ukrainian gains in the south 
So it, it forces both sides, actually, to kind of watch their forces and watch their reserves. Uh, it's a, so that's, that's what's happening. Strategic stalemate, actually. So, tactical movement, but strategic stalemate. Thank you so much for the update. Really appreciate your time, as always, Andrew. Thanks. You're very welcome. Thank you very much. Andrew Rasoulis, fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute and expert in Eastern European affairs. The Alberta government headed back to the drawing board to redraft changes being made to Alberta's social studies curriculum. Joining us to talk about it from the teacher's perspective is Jason Schilling, president of the Alberta Teachers Association. Morning, Jason. Thanks for being with us. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. Uh, can you kind of break down, okay, so they're updating the social studies curriculum from 2021. It got a heck of a lot of criticism, in my opinion, for very good reason. They didn't really even speak to, you know, people outside of those who were rewriting. Now it looks like we're going to get some changes and maybe they're they're speaking to parents, to, to students, to other teachers. Is that correct? Yeah, this new plan definitely is looking to put uh, the social studies curriculum back into the hands of the experts who should be developing it. And I agree with you, the 2021 draft was highly grade inappropriate, it was age inappropriate, it was written sort of behind closed doors with not any input from the teaching profession or experts on curriculum design or student learning. And so this change in direction is a good thing and I hope that we can keep uh, this as a model as we develop other parts of the curriculum because what we've seen with the ones that have been developed and implemented already, there have been some problems for sure. Okay, so can you give us some idea of, of this redraft and, and the workings to get it where it is today? Uh, how was it put together and how is this different? Well, it's different than what we saw released in 2021 in, in the way of it sort of started with the history of time, starting with the Greeks and Romans in kindergarten through grade one up through grade 12. And so you had students learning about Genghis Kong and the Silk Road in grade two, whereas now the curriculum when students are in school and the new curriculum is, is drafted under the same style as the current curriculum, they're learning about their communities, the towns and the cities that they live in, then their province and then Canada. So it's a bit of a, an about face and what the curriculum prior to was trying to lay out and it's more of a focus on uh, students in their communities and and that's where it should start. So Jason do we know to what extent the government will engage with Alberta teachers like do they do they kind of check with you and that moving forward or how, how do we know? Well, my conversations with the minister, he indicated that they would be engaging teachers through this process. And we've always said right from the get-go that we're here to be an active participant in it. We're here to work to make sure that we get the curriculum right because teachers want curriculum that is in their schools, that is going that is going to uh, better their students, move them forward, um, engages them in learning, teaches them critical thinking skills, and uh, the previous curriculum didn't do that. So we're, we're here to help and we're here to engage as much as possible. Obviously, social studies in focus this time out, Jason. And by the way, we're speaking with Jason Schelling, president of the ATA, the Alberta Teachers Association. Um, in, in the past, math has been in focus. But how often are the core curriculum, you know, looked at, reviewed and, and kind of revamped? Well, you have to go back a little bit in time. Traditionally, curriculum was reviewed in a cyclical manner. There was always curriculum renewal happening in schools, and it tended to happen on a three-year cycle. So your first year would be creating the content of the new curriculum, looking at what was, um, what's outdated, what's not working, what is working, what do we keep. And then it's uh, shared with uh, the field to look at, and they do a field testing uh, to make sure that, you know, test it out, see what's working, what's not working. Then they do the implementation phase where you also 
also look at uh, uh, resources and assessment and what books do students need, what books do teachers need. And that happened on a three-year cycle, but that all changed many years ago when you've had successive governments say we're going to replace all the curriculum at one time, which is just, it's a huge complex thing to do and it's just not feasible to do it all at once. So going back and doing a little bit slower in this implementation is a good thing. We'll be following it for sure and uh, no doubt check back with you, you know, once uh, we get a little bit of a, a, a draft edition of this new curriculum anyway to, to see how the teachers are feeling about it. I wanted to sort of change gears though and, and ask you your thoughts um, on behalf of the ATA in terms of this uh, 1 million march for children, this march that's happening across Canada today that, you know, a lot of people are just calling it an anti-LGBTQ protest basically and it seems that's what the target is. So your thoughts on that uh, from the union perspective? That's exactly what it is. It's attack. It's an attack on uh, to us LGBTQ students. And so I've been emotional this morning about this because it's something that matters a lot to us, having safe and caring schools. Every student who comes into that building and every person who works in our public schools must feel safe. They must feel cared for. And we work very hard as an association in the advocacy around that. We work very hard as an association to ensure that uh, our teachers have the resources that they need to be able to um, create inclusive spaces for every child who walks in that building. And it's especially important now when we see attacks on sexual and gender diverse students and staff. And it's troubling and it's disturbing, mm -hmm. but it is something that we will always stand against because as I said yesterday on uh, my social medias, hate has no place in our schools and we need to combat this sort of misinformation, this kind of hate when we see it and when we hear it. 100%. Yeah. And Jason, so what sort of steps, I mean obviously the, the safety of all staff and students, you know, with, within the systems and with the ATA obviously that's that's key, making sure that the staff and students are safe. Uh, what, what sorts of steps are being, being put in place because I'm sure that this is something that has to be looked at when you talk about a protest such as these. Well, with the Alberta Teachers Association building, which is where the protest in Edmonton will be located at, um, we've taken measures within the building to ensure the safety of our staff. We don't have students in it at the ATA. It's a, mainly an office building. Um, but we're ensuring the safety of our staff. We're ensuring that uh, um, those who might want to work from home who don't feel safe uh, can do that. And we've been working with the Edmonton Police Service as well to, to follow their advice and their steps to make sure that uh, we get through the day and uh, that we get through the day stronger and better. Thanks for the strong stance on that. Appreciate your comments and we'll uh, no doubt check in with you about the redraft of the sto social studies curriculum as we know more. Thanks so much for your time, Jason. You bet. Have a great day. You too. Jason Schilling, president of the Alberta Teachers Association. Oh, we know that the United Way is an organization that does what it does 365 days a year, 12 months of the year. But September happens to be United Way Month, a month to recognize the work uh, our social agencies do to create a city where everyone thrives. And to tell us about this special month and about the agency, we're joined by Karen Young, a United Way president. Good morning to you, Karen. Good morning. This is fantastic because I know that you, your organization, those who believe in what you do are 365 days a year, but this is a special month. Tell us about the focus in September, Karen. Yeah, well, I'm always excited about September. It's kind of like back to school for me where we really start to mobilize our community around United Way Month, where we're really trying to come together to mobilize that giving power that Calgarians have 
to really address the complex social issues that we're facing as a community. We all know what's going on with this affordability crisis, with inflation. It's really impacting more people than we traditionally think about. And it's an opportunity for all of us to come together to lift people up to make sure we leave no one behind. Karen, who are the folks that you help? And is that changing a little bit? But who, who, who is your typical client with the United Way? Yeah, well, we really do a lot of our work uh, and invest in the social agencies that we support. So there's 122 agencies. We do a lot of work in poverty reduction, really making sure that families uh, that are living in poverty have access to things like basic needs. Right now, one in three Calgarians are struggling to afford their basic needs. We also really focus on helping uh, children Uh, reduce barriers so that they can succeed in life and we do a lot of work around high school completion making sure that we're providing wraparound supports to students so that they complete high school and transition uh, to adulthood but we've also seen that um, some Calgarians that might have been donors in the past you know have been struggling uh, with this affordability crisis. Let's, Let's talk about the power of the United Way and being such kind of a community, a hub in in all the different agencies you support. Does that, you know, kind of, uh, I guess, strengthen numbers, bolster how much you can give back to the community? Yeah, what's so exciting about that is, you know, collectively, we've been able to raise, you know, over 50 million for the last you know, several years, even through COVID. And then through our community impact fund, we're able to strategically invest that, we can adapt, we can be flexible, and we can make sure that through our agency partners, they have some flexibility in terms of where they want to invest it based what's going on in our community. Let's talk a little bit about, Karen, because I know that you're with us today because the, the, the launch is officially tomorrow and you're going to be very busy. So tell us, September 21, it's the big kickoff, 2023. It starts with you. Tell us about the campaign itself and what that looks like for launch tomorrow particularly. Yeah, I'm so excited about this, uh, Sue, because we're going to be back to what we were pre-COVID. We're having a live event with over a 1,000 people coming. You know, over 75 of our companies are coming to really embrace uh, United Way Month. The mayor is going to come and proclaim uh, September United Way Month. We're going to have agencies like YMCA, Trellis. Women in Need Society, Centre for Newcomers, our Aboriginal Friendship Centre, and a lot more. Uh, 7-Eleven is sponsoring the lunch. We've got events by Calgary Corporate Challenge. The Calgary Arts Academy is going to be there with a live art project, and their youth rock bands are going to play for us. So it's really a corporate gathering to really get people excited about this fall campaign and what we're going to do together to really make sure that we're supporting Calgarians in need. I'm just on the the website here, calgaryunitedway.org, and you make it super easy. So often you look at organizations that want to lend a hand to Calgarians, Mm -hmm. to our friends and family and neighbors, and things are buried when it's like that call to action. At the top, though, you've got every donation has the power to improve local lives, a one-time donation or a monthly. I love this because, and I know we often compare it to a cup of coffee, if people are going to be spending 3 to $6 a day on the cup of coffee, they could maybe move into something monthly for a donation. Exactly. You can just maybe think about that Starbucks, maybe make your coffee from home. 
give a little bit to the community. Sometimes our workplace campaigns, our companies match employee donations. Uh, we can get that money into the community impact fund and we can look out for each other in terms of the type of city we want to work, live and play in. It starts with you. That's the focus of the 2023 campaign. Again, we'll send people to calgaryunitedway.org. Thanks so much, Karen. Really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having me, and we'll see you out on the campaign trail. Yes, we will. Karen Young, United Way President.